Escape Pod 303. July 28, 2011. Lead Run by Scott Baker. Welcome to Escape Pod, your weekly science fiction podcast. I'm Norm Sherman. On this week's show, we've got a piratey space opera tale for you folks. And yes, it's sheer coincidence that over at the Drabblecast this week, we just concluded an epic two-part space opera pirate story as well. Weird, I know. Must be something in the... Arrrr. <laughs> so this week's story, Leech Run by Scott W. Baker. Scott's a recent Writers of the Future winner who sold about a dozen stories so far to nice places, a list of which can be found at scottwbaker.net. Leech Run was just recently published in Pill Hill Press's anthology, Zero Gravity, Adventures in Deep Space. A limited edition hardcover of the anthology will be available soon, so hang in there for that. The story is read to you by the wonderful Alistair Stewart, so put on your sunscreen and get ready to learn a lesson or two. Because it's story time. Leech Run, by Scott W. Baker The inhabitants of Galileo Station parted as Titan moved among them. Not one made eye contact. All gawked furtively. One of Titan's dark eyes glared back down at the throng. The other remained hidden behind a curtain of stark, white hair. Conspicuous appearance was his curse. What bystander would forget a snow-capped mountain of dark muscle? Memorability was not an asset for a man like him. One body in the crowd moved towards Titan, rather than away. "'The passengers is aboard, love,' the man said. "'Rafe, call me love in public, and you will find yourself very uncomfortable.' Titan lowered his voice so it stayed within the wide berth granted by the populace. "'How many passengers?' Thirty-two, thirty-two, Captain.' Titan shook his head. "'Hemingway promised fifty. "'If M flew so bad as he scored cargo,' Any load of leeches will turn a profit, Titan assured the mechanic. But a small load don't mean small risk. I need you sharp. As ever, love. They continued through the bustling station to their ship, a little cargo runner designed for intrasystem transport at sublight speeds. Of course, a mechanic of reef skill could make a ship reach speeds its designers never fathomed. Such deviant engineering demanded a pilot with a select set of skills and a dubious moral character. Hemingway possessed both. He was waiting for them beside the ship, with his ever-present, boastful grin. "'I said there were betakers on Galileo, didn't I?' Hemingway said as his crewmates entered earshot. "'I done already told them the rules.' Titan's brow furrowed. "'Thirty-two. Don't dislocate and fin-pat yourself on the back. And there is just one rule. On my ship.' Titan brushed past his pilot into the cargo hold. It was a small hold, even for an intrasystem runner, but it hadn't always been so. Reef's touch here made the ideal leech transport. The customised hold maintained a six-foot buffer from all electrical systems, enough of a gap that even a Class three leech couldn't siphon a single ampere. Despite his extensive precautions, Titan always felt uneasy with such capricious cargo. He surveyed the passengers perched shoulder-to-shoulder on the plank benches that were bolted to the hold's bare metal floor. Leeches. Every last one of them. They didn't look dangerous, but on a ship, in deep space, they could be as lethal as any weapon. 
Aside from passengers and benches, the hold was barren. No amenities, no restraints, no personal possessions, no plumbing. These 32 leeches would spend the next two weeks in a metal tank. No normal human would accept such accommodations. Why should they, when a starliner would take them all the way to Kiroth for a couple hundred cred? This kind of travel, though. This was for people the liners wouldn't touch. Alpha system law guaranteed anyone foolish enough to transport a leech would spend the rest of his life labouring on a prison planet. One too close to a sun for a proper settlement, but too mineral rich to resist exploiting. Such labour colonies' conditions were enough to make one envy the leech's sentences. They were simply shot on sight. Of course, Alpha was a big system. It was difficult to monitor. A captain could make a few thousand creds smuggling a leech between planets, carrying them all the way to a friendlier system, as Titan did. Canetta fortune. Titan demanded 20 grand a head. Alpha's policies on leech genocide made the price a bargain. There is only one rule on my ship, Titan announced again, this time to his hold full of human contraband. No one leaves the hold. He walked along the rows, wishing one of them would do something stupid, make an example of themselves. None did. There is just one penalty for breaking that rule. He pulled the Beretta from its holster. Lead. Blasters, force cannons, lasers. A leech could drain these of power and make them useless. A bullet harboured no such weakness. Titan ran another head count before closing the huge external doors by means of a gigantic hand crank. No automated functions, not this near the leeches. He had worked up a considerable sweat by the time it was sealed. He then walked past the sheepish passengers to the inner door and pounded three times. Reef opened it from the other side. The door to the ship's interior only opened from that side, a fact that made Titan's one rule seem somewhat trivial. Titan stepped through the portal and let it fall closed with an ominous clank. How did it happen to him? Reef asked as he resealed the door. How did what happen? The vibrant personalities? Serious, love. Why do these blokes end up leechy? Look at that dame in red. She's not made up or nothing, but she's gorgeous. How do a pretty thing like that come feared through the stars? Titan looked. There was indeed a woman wrapped in a red parka, more attractive than any of the women whose company he could afford. She was his exact opposite, pale flesh, jet locks, small in every way that he was large, velvet everywhere he was leather, and a leech. Her eyes met his through the thick glass. Titan turned away. Why do you always ask stupid questions? They were three days out of Galileo and preparing to jump superluminal, always a tense time considering the ridiculous illegality of an intrasystem ship breaking the light barrier, not to mention the discomfort of travelling faster than light with a hold full of energy-siphoning refugees, but all Titan could think about were Reef's damn philosophical musings. Why was anyone the way they were? Why was Titan? Reef burst onto the bridge. We, we have a problem, Captain! Titan snapped alert. Patrol satellite. They couldn't resist. They couldn't risk being monitored when they made the jump. Not a ship. Worse, Captain. Did you just use the word Captain twice in a row? Captain. Not love. The head count. I kept 31. One of them's bloody missing. A leech loose on a ship was like an ember loose in a hayfield. Life support, propulsion, heat, navigation, sensors. The loss of any one of them would leave them helpless. The loss of several was death. Titan checked the bullets in his pistol. 16, plus two more clips of the same. Then run a full diagnostic. Hemingway slumped in his chair and crossed his arms. Diagnostic? That is not my job. The pilot had not yet outgrown the bluster from his punk mercenary past. Titan chambered a bullet. Hemingway experienced an instant growth spurt. I will get right on it, sir. Titan's steps were long and deliberate as he and Reef left the bridge. Which one's missing? Reef had fallen behind a few paces. What do you mean, which one? You think I'm down personally? 
We have a manifest. Yes, love, we do. Three John Doe's and four Janes. Who's going to be a rich haul, then paying 50% extra for anonymity and all? 30%. Titan paused long enough for Reef to catch up to his glare. Right, love, 30%. Slip of the tongue. I'll deal with that slippery tongue later. Right now, we need to find our missing leech. They reached the hold. Titan pressed his face to the window and counted. 31. So is it a John or a Jane? Jane. Titan counted again. She wasn't there. How is it you didn't notice she was missing? Captain? Looker. The Red Parker. How does that escape you? Forgotten her. Honestly. Titan pinned his mechanic to the wall and pressed the Beretta into his gut. Have you opened this door, love? If the disdainful emphasis on the last word didn't tell Reef his captain meant business, the exposure of Titan's full face certainly did. Titan always kept his left eye shrouded. Even Reef had never seen it exposed. Titan was very secretive about that part of his face, that part of his past, and at last Reef understood why. Below his captain's left eye was an indelible genetic tag, the tattoo that forever marked the inmates of the galaxy's eternal prison colony, the labour colony the devil himself would not visit, Katraz. There was no parole from Katraz. There was no release. There was no escape. Yet, here on Reef's captain's face was the tattoo that never left that steaming planet's surface. For the first time, Reef began to understand how dangerous this man truly was. Not just by the tattoo, but by the gleam in the eye above it. I I tried to talk her into it. She refused. She was there when I locked the door. Swears it. When? Last night. Titan stiffened his grip for an instant before dropping Reef in a gasping heap. If you have killed us, your death will be the most painful. You will find her. The eight-hour ship diagnostic reported all systems normal. So far. Internal scans indicated no extra lifeforms in any of the oxygenized sections of the ship. Only the 31 in the hold and three crew. So Numbnuts let the leech into the ship. This ship. Hemingway was every bit as eloquent as his namesake. That would appear to be the most likely scenario, Titan said. So where is that British piece of crap? Is he British? I thought he was Irish. He's running counts on things the computer cannot handle. Concrete things. Yeah, like his head. Captain! The voice came from the corridor beyond the bridge hatch. All hatches had been switched to manual, and the ship was running on minimal energy. The jump to light speed didn't fit that equation and was delayed. Hemingway verified that Reef was alone before opening the hatch, and Reef scuttled in. We got a problem, love. Another one? Hemingway flailed his arms like he was drowning. A problem like having an energy-hungry leash running loose on a ship that's using energy to keep us alive, perhaps? Right, that! Reef was panting. And, and we're missing a vacuum suit. Titan's jaw clenched. Come again? A vacuum suit, love. She might be outside the ship. Or any place not under life support. Titan punched the door. It dented slightly. He leaned his forehead to the wall while the other two bickered. Can a leech even use a vac suit? Hemingway said. Can if she be class free? They could turn it off. What, turn their energy sucking off? I'm more worried about her turning our ship off, love. Now you calling people love? I might as well, seeing you done screwed us all. Enough! Titan's face was still against the wall. Hemingway, run another scan. Track for anything different from the last one, including fuel consumption. Reef, find anything else she might have taken, then come down to the hold and let me out. I want open communication channels throughout the ship. If anyone goes dark, investigate. Shoot to kill. Any questions? Yeah, did you say you was going into the hold? Are you sniffling? You have any better ideas? 
The whole door clanged shut behind Titan. He used his pistol to point as he counted. He stopped at 17. There were more after that, but 17 was his Jane Doe. Gorgeous as ever. Very much present. He suppressed his initial impulse to shoot her where she sat, and said, Where have you been? The question seemed to lack the assertiveness intended. Where have I been all your life? I've heard that one. And I'm not a hooker, so you're wasting your time in here, just like that little Australian. Where have you been the past few hours? Her eyes lowered for an instant, before locking defiantly with Titans. Right here. I did get up to use the lovely bucket you provided. I could use emptying, by the way. Titan pressed the gun to her cheek, and she stopped talking. Who's missing? Did you get that thing out of my face? He diverted his aim long enough to plant a round in the wooden bench inches from her thigh. Several leeches yelped, but not her. Who is missing? You were missing eight hours ago. Now you're here, and someone else is gone. Tell me, where the hell would I have gone? You locked us in here. Not that rule number one makes wandering the ship a pleasant option. It's a little cold outside that big door. Titan ground his teeth. He could smell the lies on her breath. There is a vacuum suit missing. Any of you could have gone outside. Most of us would suck the power out of that suit the moment it touched our skin. Maybe a few of us could... Could you? She blushed. It was an alluring thing for her to do. I suppose it would waste my breath to say it's none of your business. She glanced at the gun, then back at his eye. All right, yes. Assuming I could get into your ship, steal the suit, get back here, crank that monstrous door open without killing the rest of them. Not to mention that it would be suicide to go EVA before a lightspeed jump. Titan counted the room again. 31. He should have shot her already. She had left the hold. She had broken the rule. His trigger finger knew what that meant. He walked to the door and pounded. Gun trained on her firm bosom. He didn't want to kill her. He didn't want to kill anything so beautiful. Her death would weigh heavily on him. So had others before. So what more to come? Was this one different? The door opened. Titan stepped through, slammed, and latched it. What do you mean you didn't shoot her? Reef opened his mouth as if, as if probing for more words, but managed only to repeat. You didn't shoot her? Never question my actions on my ship. But... How could you not shoot her? I made a call. I'd do it again. You think you could? No, I'd make the call to shoot the bitch. Only now, five minutes later, did Titan holster his pistol. She is alive, and will remain so until I change that. <sighs> you the captain, love. Captain? It was Hemingway over the comm. Go ahead, Hem. Captain, I am rerunning the internal scan. You are going to want to see this, sir. Just tell me... I'm counting 32 in the hold again. Titan and Reef looked at each other, then rushed back to the window. Your lady in red's still there, love. What do we do? She's your lady in red. Titan opened an access panel and reached inside. I am finished being toyed with. Now what are you doing? Covering my arse. He reached inside. You get on the con and get him. I need him down here to open the door. You and I are going back in. He entered the hold without waiting for a response. Both of us? The colour drained from Reef's face. Why the goodbye am I going in? It required a special set of skills to escape a place that secure. Skills with which Titan was well associated. There were few possible explanations for how they were doing it, each less plausible than the last. And the time had come to start eliminating impossibilities. A breach in the hold wall seemed the most likely explanation. If anyone could find a structural floor in that hold, it was Reef. He had designed and built it. 
Now the mechanic was scouring the walls by hand in search of any gap, seam or panel the leeches might be manipulating. Titan watched the passengers' eyes as Reef searched, hoping one section or another might inspire the guilty to stir or signal a partner. He watched one passenger more than the rest. She seemed solid, love, Reef declared as he hammered his fist against the last section of bulkhead. The metal did not ring or echo. I don't think she's giving for no one. It's a ship, not a hooker. Holes don't just open for paying customers. His massive fist clenched until it vibrated. This was his ship. Who were these leeches to defy him on his ship? It made him weak. To have passengers he could not control. To have any situation beyond his control. He would not accept weakness. What choice had they left him? We're going back to Galileo, Titan announced. We don't go superluminal with unaccounted leeches. We turn around. A wave of discomfort rippled through his passengers. So do we get our money back? It was Jane. The one that should be dead. She should be dead again for saying it. Why didn't he just kill her? Titan's shrouded eye twitched as he glared at her. He walked to the door and pounded. Reef followed. Hemingway did not open it. Titan peered through the window. No hem. Perhaps they should have waited for him before entering. Titan pounded again. Again nothing. For ten minutes. Nothing. Hemingway was compromised. Had he been captured? Killed? Or was that pompous pilot behind this whole charade? It didn't matter. Titan was locked in his own hold. Even his mechanic had failed to find a way out. But there was one. Titan drew his beretta and stalked to the bench where Jane Doe sat. He grabbed a handful of hair and wrenched her to her feet, and she shrieked, and he ignored it. Tell me how, he said. The pistol was against her throat. The temperature of the hold seemed to drop in the silence. Jane's trampling gasps echoed off the walls, and she drew breaths several times as if about to speak. She didn't. We've been here before, sweetheart, Titan said. I'm not renowned for my merciful nature. She spat in his eye. He repaid her eye with the ceramic butt of his pistol. She collapsed. What the hell are you thinking? Reeve shouted from beside the locked door. You're going to beat it out of there? You're going daft? We don't know who is controlling the ship, if anyone. I could care less how many beauty pageants she has won. I intend to take my ship back. She's going to tell me how she got out of this hold, or she's going to die inside it. Jane pushed herself back to her feet. Her eye was already swollen and turning yellow. No. No, I'm not. Not going to tell me. I'm not going to die. Neither. No. She had endangered his ship, risked everything he had worked so hard to protect, no matter who or what she might be, he had but one option. Let's find out. The blast was deafening in the claustrophobic hold. The air continued to reverberate long after the bullet had fired. The stench of gunpowder scorched the stale air. White smoke wafted from the barrel into Jane's delicate face, and she did not fall. She did not bleed. She didn't even flinch. Is this the part where I say I told you so? Titan brushed his hair aside so he could disbelieve with both eyes. He had shot her through the forehead. He was certain. There she stood. He pulled the trigger again. This time he watched the bullet pass through her face, out past her luscious hair, ricochet off the wall and topple the bilge bucket in the corner. It was as if she was a ghost, but the truth was more impossible. You're class four, Titan whispered. The silence was louder than the gunshot. But love, Reef said. There is no class four leech. One, two, three, that's all there be. They exist. Titan was barely breathing. You've heard the rumours. Leeches escaping shackles and locked cells. Ships boarded and left derelict without a single forced hatch. As much energy as they are human. Channeling their whole bodies through conductive material. Reef trembled. 
I thought that was bedtime stories for bad boys and girls. How many of you were class four? Titan said. There was a flash behind Titan's back, followed by a new voice. Just the two of us. Everyone turned. The words came from a plain-looking male approaching from the interior hatch, despite not having opened it. Blonde hair, blue eyes, shabby brown pants and overcoat. Five others in the hold. Could have been his brothers. He blended as readily as his lovely partner stood out, but he was the only one pointing a blaster at Titan. "'About time, you bloody pirate,' Jane said in a mockingly grateful voice. "'This brute shot me. I could have gotten a powder burn.' "'Tragic.' The pirate replied with equal sarcasm, his eyes and weapon still locked on Titan. Now be a doll and conduct yourself through the door. The ship needs a new destination. You'll find no competition on the bridge. What took you so long if you weren't setting new coordinates? Bathroom break. The pirate smirk faded. I grew tired of the lovely bucket. Now girl. She pressed her lips together and approached the door. Her fingertips brushed across the metal surface. Orange sparks hissed from her nails where they touched, and her palms swept back across, trailing a fountain of sparkling blue lightning. She pressed both hands to the steel, and a dazzling halo sputtered around and through her fingers. She stepped forwards and exploded into a billion fluttering fireflies that spun and danced and sizzled and whined before fading from sight. The light show cleared to reveal Jane smiling back through the hatch's window. She wiggled her fingers in a mocking wave before disappearing in the direction of the bridge. The pirate smiled. She definitely has her uses. Bit of a show-off, really. You never catch me making such a spectacle out of a simple door. Just zap, and I'm all the way through. Titan's brow quivered behind its white curtain. This one was a talker. He could use that. So only the two of you can walk through walls. Titan scanned the terrified faces on the benches and turned his pistol on the frailest young female. He grabbed a tiny wrist. So I can shoot you? The girl shrieked and tried to duck away. Be my guest, the pirate said evenly. You won't swear my favour, threatening her. No loyalty among leeches. My loyalty's to my cred account. So, love, Reef interrupted awkwardly. Is you two in this with Hemingway, or is he dead? Your pilot, the pirate scoffed. Offered him a million cred if he could bring me an unregistered FTL vessel. Little punk actually expected me to pay. Titan released his grip on the terrified girl. So he's dead. The pirate cocked his head and approached Titan. You don't seem too torn up over it. No loyalty amongst smugglers. You're going to kill everyone anyway. No point blubbering over who's first in line. Spoken like a true mercenary. I wasn't finished. Titan's muscles tensed, but he held his place. A pilot is of little use to me if I'm locked away at gunpoint. Hemingway is far more useful to me as a martyr. A martyr? The pirate laughed. Sounds nicer than sacrificial lamb. His death reveals you as the murderous bastard you are. It tells everyone in this hold exactly what you're capable of. The leeches shuffled uncomfortably. For a second time. You're boring me now. The pirate pointed the blaster at Titan's throat and squeezed the trigger. Nothing happened. The blaster trembled in the pirate's hand. He pressed again. And again. Still nothing. Titan took four steps forward, all he required to close the gap between them. The barrel of the blaster now rested between his oversized pectorals, punching the material of his black tank top into the crease at his sternum. The blaster dropped to the floor with a clatter. So we're at an impasse, the pirate said, backing away. His entire body was shivering. Your bullets can't touch me, and one of your passengers seems to have quenched his thirst with my gun. Where do we go from here? Titan dropped the clip out of his beretta and ejected the chambered round. The time for guns had ended. Time to do things the old-fashioned way cracked his knuckles. The pirate watched the massive black fingers pop in sequence and then turned and scrambled for the door. He didn't make it. 
Thirty leeches float as a single furious entity, blockading his escape. A dozen arms pulled him down. The frail young female Titan had threatened was the first to kick the pirate in the ribs. She was not the last. The mob's violence intensified, scratching and beating and cursing the traitorous pirate leech. Titan turned his back to the distasteful scene. He stepped into Reef's eyeline so the mechanic wouldn't have to watch either. One down, he said, barely loud enough for Reef to hear over the ruckus. Fat lot of good it does us in here. Reef leaned to see past Titan's massive torso. He didn't seem to like the view and looked back to Titan's face. The white mane had been pulled behind the massive shoulders again, revealing the tattoo. Reef's eyes lingered there. How'd you do it? I thought that planet was inescapable. It is, Titan said. Unless you slip your chains and get through two huge metal doors, find a way to neutralise the guard's stun rods and steal the prisoner transport. Deactivating surveillance helps too. Did all that, Reef said. And you can't get out of this tin box? Oh, I can get out. I just didn't want to do it this way. Which way, love? Titan stepped to the door and slid his hand across the surface the same way Jane had minutes before. The same orange and purple lightning crackled from his fingertips. It felt hot. Hotter than he remembered. He hadn't conducted since escaping Ketraz. He'd never liked the sensation, like breathing hot embers, but he had no choice left. The sparks grew as he pressed his body against the metal. A million white-hot razor blades scuttled across his flesh. His breath left him. He stepped through, emerging whole and pain-free in the ship's corridor. He paused long enough to release Reef before sprinting to the bridge. The door was open when he arrived. Jane was at the helm, adjusting coordinates. Titan stepped into the doorway and filled it. I never conducted a bullet. That's a nice trick. Never occurred to me to get shot so I could try. A callous smile was on her lips when she turned. Kaldor owes me fifty cred. Mind you, I had you pegged at class three, not four. But I knew you were one of us. Kaldor, your big mouthed associate. You might have a time collecting that bet. I could arrange for you to join him. Her smile wavered, but did not vanish. So it seems I'm in the market for a new partner. I know anyone suitable. The perks of the position are pretty good. Titan scoffed. I thought you weren't a prostitute. I said I wasn't a hooker. We're all prostitutes. Poetic semantics. Is that a yes or a no? I should have strangled you when I had the chance. So it's a no. She sighed. I guess this is the part where I drain the power from life support and watch you die. The laugh Titan admitted was both taunting and incredulous. Without your vac suit, you don't look much like the suicide type. I'm not much on surrender either. Fine. Every panel in the ship grants access to the power supply for life support. You complete every lost jewel out the carbon dioxide filters from where you stand. I can't stop you. He took a step towards her. It would take several more before she was in arm's reach, but he stopped with one. No need to panic. Not yet. Are you calling my bluff? Were you bluffing? He took another step. She examined Titan from black boots to white locks before saying, Probably. Corner a wild animal, you never know what she might do. I doubt I'd be the first to hope you were that wild. I may well be the last. You must have been pretty wild yourself to score such a lovely tattoo. Rape and murder? Or was it tax evasion? She was trying to appear cool, but nerves were getting the better of her. She was practically panting. Piracy! Titan confessed. I once made a lot of cred doing the same thing you're doing, until I learned a lesson or two. Five years labouring under that Syrian white sun helps a man remember his lessons. For example, never hijack cargo that can fight back. That's one your friend Kaldor learned today. Kaldor hasn't learned a thing since he flunked out of grade school. I doubt you let him live long enough to apply his lesson. I never touched him. She nodded, hence the lesson. She was starting to sweat. And what will my lesson be? Titan grinned. Not to breathe so fast with the CO2 filters down. 
She gasped, another bad idea in the stale air. The last hints of colour drained from her face as she surveyed the life support controls behind her. They were dark, all needles pointing to zero. When did you do that? Long before I shot you. Jane nodded, then collapsed. Titan caught her. With the filters down, it wouldn't be long before Titan's body gave out as well. Only the energy he had siphoned from the filtration system was keeping him conscious now, like an injection of adrenaline. It had been a long time since he had consumed that much raw energy. He'd forgotten how intoxicating it could be. Still, his body needed air. He laid her less than gingerly on the floor and triggered the comm. <sighs> that suit ready. The effort of speaking drained him even faster. Just barely got mine on, love. They're in a pop. You neutralised the little lady. Just get here. Then Titan passed out. He woke up on the floor of the hold. How had he gotten here? Reef certainly wasn't strong enough to drag him this far. Two of them helped! Reef said as if reading his captain's mind. Reef was in a vac suit, helmet removed. You're too bloody big to stuff into one of these suits when you go noodle, so I'd be drag you or leave you to die. Oh my head, Titan moaned as he realised how much pain the hypercarbia had left him in. You sure you made the right choice? He's flying the ship. Managed to put in for the closest planet all by me onesie. Impressed. Astounded. Titan sat up and rubbed his temples. Man, life support's still out. Reef nodded. Smart. And we sat the old on a separate system, don't you think? Smart. Titan had never envisaged things quite working this way, using the hold as a lifeboat after the main system had been leached. He'd always pictured it the other way around, cutting the secondary life support to subdue an angry leech mob. But this worked. Now what? I'm sorry I never told you, Titan said. Told what? That you're an energy thirsty mutant with the power to walk through walls and slurp the juice out of old ship's environmental system? Strangely, no worries. On the subject, I'm a three-headed dingo and I breathe fire and poop creds. Just thought you should know, lest it be Andy sometime. <laughs> I knew you'd understand. I understand nothing. Like why you didn't know they could get out of the old like they'd done, seeing you'd done it escaping Catraz and all. Titan pulled the hair over his face. You could call it selective blindness. I heard stories, but I had never encountered another Class 4. Not one, I swear. And I spent years searching. Now I had two on my ship. Titan shook his head. I almost hoped they were fours. Didn't believe. He gazed at the floor. Did she make it? Reef inclined his head towards a red bundle tied to one of the benches with polyvinyl cord. Very non-conductive. She was unconscious, but she was breathing. What's in your mind for her then, love? Titan rubbed the mark beneath his left eye. Let's drop her off someplace hot. I want to be sure she remembers her lessons. And that was our story. Hope it got you charged up. This story at one point raises the interesting philosophical question of what are we? Is a mercenary really a pirate? Is a hooker really a prostitute? Is Al really British? I always thought he was Irish. The character Reef takes this a step further and asks, why are we the way that we are? I think the takeaway from this story is that the what is in the why. We are the lessons we learn, the experiences we have. We're all leeches to some extent, absorbing from the world around us constantly. It's what we decide to put into our bodies that's important. Oh, no, I'm still here. Just a courtesy, that's what she said, pause. And now let's see what you listeners said with a story feedback section brought to you by everyone's favorite assistant editor, Bill Peters. Take it away, Bill. Hello, faith listeners. 
So this is the second week of two feedback double features, and I'm serving up episode 295 and 296 this week. Episode 295 is Disarm, by Viler Captain and read by our Matt Weller, the audio producer. The story is about the aftermath of a human war against the Tickheads, who turn their adversaries' weapons against them, and it's about what happens to one wounded veteran when he comes home and his best friend. Leet Minion said, The story is definitely a bleak one. The characters seem to present a dichotomy between self-destructive, stupid aggression, and wavering, aimless, meaningless pacifism. That's mirrored by the actions of humanity as a whole in the story. The Tickheads haven't really saved humanity. The main character is more or less right when he says no one really saves anyone else. But the main character does seem to hold on to a shred of hope, so that's something at least. Filer Captain actually weighed in on the comments of the story, saying, It's a more subtle story than some, and the key is Ryan's under- final understanding of the world. No one saves anyone, not anyone else. The Tickheads can't save the wreckage of humanity, and Ryan can't save his mother or Trey no matter how good their intentions. All you can do is learn to let go. As for the world the Tickheads built, that's a different story, and maybe I'll write it sometime. Episode 296, For Want of a Nail, was by Mary Robinette Kowal, and was read by R. Merlafferty. Uh, This Hugo nominee took place on a generation ship, and demonstrated the importance of always having a hardwire backup for your AI in a doll. Ka said, I really enjoyed this story. Last year's Hugo nominees mostly left me high and dry, wondering what on earth could have convinced people to vote for them. But if the other stories from 2011 are at this level, it's going to be a great month. That being said, I thought the ending was a little bit of a letdown. Because of the title, I was expecting a gradual unraveling of the entire civilization because of the hubris of not looking ahead. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost, and so on. Calculating said, I love the story and hated it at the same time. Living with a relative who is currently mentally deteriorating in front of me, there is something to be said for protecting and taking care of the elderly, and I immediately reject the idea of shirking this responsibility. I love the idea that the AI is not only the recorder of the family, but part of it. That is, until she malfunctions against the wishes of said family, and they essentially kill her and start up a new one. Crazy, but I love it. And that's it for this week. Next week, I'll be bringing you the feedback for episode 287, A Taste of Time. Thanks, Bill. All right, you scurvy knaves, that's it for this week. Remember, Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, and it's brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change or sell it, but share it all you like. This show runs off the generous support of listeners such as yourself. So if you enjoyed this week's story, why not hit up our website, escapepod.org, and toss some figurative coins in the metaphorical hat. We non-allegorically appreciate it very much. Our theme music is used with the permission of Daikaiju. Check them out at daikaiju.org. And our closing quotation this week comes from good old Fred Nietzsche, who said, Merchant and pirate were for a long period one and the same person. Even today, mercantile morality is really nothing but a refinement of piratical morality. Mm-hmm.